Welcome to the Music Grind Podcast. This is episode 15. Um, if it is your first time, welcome, and thanks for listening, and feel free to peruse the episodes uh, on your app, whether you're, um, whether you're using iTunes or Apple Podcasts, I suppose, Stitcher, um, or Spotify, you should be able to scroll up and look, at, look through previous episodes. Um, and if you're on the website, then they should all be in front of you. So this is the, this podcast, you know, we talk to, or I, I talk to um, working musicians and, you know, we get a, a day in the life and I have, um, I've gotten some good feedback actually from uh, some fellow musicians who have been listening and everybody seems to, everyone so far who has told me, seems to enjoy the podcast, enjoy the stories, uh, because even though there are so many things that are alike, things like, you know, word of mouth, networking, uh, how you how you go about getting or preparing for gigs or things like that, all those things are very similar for everyone. But there are these unique differences between all of our stories and, and maybe something is going to help you, maybe something is going to help somebody you know. Um, so if you are not a musician and you are enjoying it, please let me know. You can do, uh, one of many things or many of many things. You can email me, um, music grind podcast at gmail.com or Instagram at music grind podcast. Uh, you can leave a review on any of those, uh, apps that I mentioned before. Um, so yeah. Uh, and on on the same apps, you can also leave uh, just you know a little five star uh, five. I'm not gonna say four. I'm not gonna say three. Leave a five star. Leave me a little some stars. <clears throat> I have some I have some things in the works. I have some ideas cooking, and um, I'm working towards uh, implementing implementing them. Up until now. We, I have had um, single person interviews, meaning I've only, I'm only talking to one person at a time. However, I'm working on a way to do something different, um, have more people, and kind of have uh, what I like to call, I guess, what many people, several people would call, a panel discussion. So look forward to that. Um, yeah, that's that's all I have for in terms of that right now. Today's guest is the great drummer Matt Pointer. Uh, he is a Florida native, actually, <clears throat> right here in Tampa Bay. And I met him a few years ago on um, on several uh, Bay Kings band gigs. That was surprisingly difficult to say. Bay Kings band gigs. All right, there we go. Um, and we played showcases. We played... Um, some other stuff, and then he called me for um, he called me for uh, a a guy named Nate Curran. If you don't know who Nate Curran, um, C U R R I N, he's a singer songwriter here in Clearwater, I believe, somewhere in Tampa Bay, somewhere. But he's 
it's awesome. Actually, I I when Matt gave me the call for that, and I went and listened to his to Nate's most recent album at the time. Now he's got a new one out. Um, at the time, man, I was blown away with um, his, the quality of his voice, the the imagery and the lyrics, and and the emotion and the music. And that's really actually what what got me is. Uh, is really the the emotion in the music in the melody that he's singing but also in the uh, in in the instruments and i i was very excited to play um with him and we wound up playing with matt with um a guitarist named kyle pierce with nate and i was there and the four of us um you know we kind of we kind of did our thing and at um i don't remember the name of the festival but we we did we played it and it was great and uh, I hope to play with him again. But if you don't know who it is, look him up on iTunes um, or any other uh, Spotify. I guess there's the other app, Spotify, Nate Curran. Um, yeah, there you go. Anyways, that was a huge sidetrack. Matt Pointer um, is my guest today. He is in a group called The Hip Abduction, which is uh, on national tours often at this very moment that i'm recording right now i don't recall whether or not he's on tour but if he's not he will be and if he is he'll be back shortly <laughs> um uh, awesome drummer awesome guys uh fun hang and um it was interesting to hear his story some of which i knew some of which i i did not um uh, and it's great to get his perspective on life while you're on tour and i'm gonna have a few more of those stories but today is matt's story so without further ado matt pointer matt pointer thanks for thanks for doing this man yeah man thanks for joining me on on the music grind i've uh been looking forward to it me too. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> We've talked about it. And um, and I heard, I want to first congratulate you on your interview on Drummer's Resource. Um, and for anyone listening here, go check it out. Um, Drummer's, first off, Drummer's Resource is a great uh, podcast that even though I'm not a drummer, I listen to it. It's got, he's got great information. And one of the episodes, my guest, Matt Pointer, was the guest on that podcast. And it was, um, it was really great. Uh, he gives great information, which some of it will, uh, I'm sure, will cover here, um, just because it's your life and you still have the same story <laughs> as you did. So, speaking of how, tell me how you got started with music. Are, is you're a drummer now, a great drummer. Um, I've played with you on several gigs, so I, I know that personally. But is that your first instrument? No, uh, when I was five. I uh, actually before I was five, I could barely talk really, and um, I was always interested, like fascinated by the piano, and really any instrument. We'd go out to eat, and I'd kind of like wander off away from my table <laughs> to the musicians and just sit uh, there and, you know, totally awestruck, just. Uh. Yeah. And uh, you know, one year my dad took me to the mall and showed me Santa, introduced me to Santa, so <laughs> I asked him for a piano, and. Uh, yeah, when I was five, my dad surprised me with a piano. Wow. And then... Uh, a real real piano? Oh, yeah. Upright piano? Yep, or? upright. Nice. And then uh, he met Steve Rosicki, who was my piano teacher, 
And Steve wasn't going to teach me at first because I was too young. Mm -hmm. And I think the youngest student he had at the time was seven or eight. Okay. Uh, so he really didn't want to teach a five-year-old, but he ended up doing it. And why? What What do you think? What do you think his reason was? Because that's uh, that's common. You know, people. Yeah. People um, don't take. I'm still his buddy today. We still hang out. And he told me he just, you know, he really never wanted to do it because he didn't know if kids could concentrate on that level at that age yet. But once he tried me out, um, you know, he enjoyed it. And he actually ended up doing even younger in the really? future. Like he started teaching like three-year-olds and stuff. So, wow. yeah, um, he just took a chance on me. and You were breaking, breaking ground. For him, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so... Did he, uh, did he see something in you? Like um, he he met you and he heard you play or, or I guess, you know, tried you out, like you said, and he saw I, I think it was just a trial thing. Yeah. He was like, you know, I think he told my parents he would give it a shot and he can't promise it's going to work out and be right. worth their money. But, right. uh, you know, but right. he when he met me, I think he did see my, my passion for it. And uh, even if we were just playing hot cross buns, I still was like <laughs> all in, you know. So uh, I did that. Until I was probably 13. Okay. Um, but he also taught me guitar as well. Okay. So I started guitar around, oh man, probably 11. And then, uh, yeah, he introduced me to drums a little bit. And then I kind of went my own direction with that. And I met some other people that were influencing me. Because uh, he wasn't really a drummer. He does teach drums now, but okay. back then he, he wasn't doing drums, so. So that what it, it didn't it the bug didn't get you right away with drums for drums no uh I would say around six I did want to play drums but my parents were like yeah it's so loud you're not doing it and then uh, <laughs> when I got my first job I you know I can do whatever I want right, right. you got you can making the money I'm paying my own bills so no. uh, <laughs> so I saved up and I I started to save for a drum set my dad saw that I really wanted this drum set so right. he you know, pulled me aside one day and was like, Hey, I'll match whatever you put in for a drum set. Wow. So yeah, that's I got, great. I got a pretty decent first drum set. Cause he, you know, I was going all in to save. So you still have it. I do. It's in my practice kit. Nice. So, yeah. I'll never get rid of it, man. Yeah. 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 There's that emotional attachment. I still have the first bass I ever, uh, I ever owned that I, you know, discovered it with. I still have it. I'm same thing. I'm never going to get rid of it. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. My second kit was easier to sell. But yeah. <laughs> my first one, nope, not happening. What about, um, well, your dad was very supportive. Um, he, did he play? Did you have a musical family? Uh, he did drumline in high school, and he didn't even tell me this until probably three years after I've been drumming. Uh -huh. uh, and then my mom, she played piano, and her mom played piano and was a choir director at her church. Nice. So there was a lot of music on that side of the family. Okay. Um, and my mom, that poor woman, she would, <laughs> she'd be home while I was practicing. Like I'd get out of high school, you know, and come home and she'd get home around three or so. Yeah. And she would just sit in the other room and like read the captions on a TV because <laughs> she can't hear it. And I'd just be playing in the other room. So you're yeah. playing drums by this time. Yeah. yeah. She, she dealt with it. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I know. Um, where did you grow up? Uh, Seminole, Florida. Okay. Yeah. Nice. So born home and raised grown. here. And yeah. yeah. Yep. Around the area, I live in Largo now, but that's really right. It's still seminal. I mean, right. <laughs> so, who who then would you say, if um, three top influences, and they don't have to be drums on any instrument, who are your th top three musical influences? Would you say? Hmm. I mean, Vinnie Caliuta, oh, just because yeah. he's diverse. Because he's Vinnie. Yeah, he's Vinnie, and he <laughs> just literally does anything. 
he can do anything on the drums. I've yet to see him do anything, you know, not be able to do anything. So, right. Uh, any musical situation from Megadeth to Michael Bublé. I was just about to ask you, did you hear the Megadeth oh, yeah. album? Dude, it sounds like a real yeah. 80s metal drummer, like, behind the kit. It's right. awesome. Uh, you know, he's been on country records, jazz, pop, everything. So, blues, uh, and even K-pop, like, overseas. Really? Oh, yeah. He's on, <laughs> he tours with some bands like that, so... Um, nice. so yeah, that's my number one for sure. Uh, hmm. I've never actually thought about this. Do you, do you, um, if you don't mind me, uh, saying, I hear a little bit of Carter in Carter, your play. Okay. From yeah. time to time. There was a definite span of time when I was just all in with Carter and oh, Dave yeah. Matthews and yeah, so that's probably an accurate. Uh, the syncopation, the hi hat work is mm-hmm. probably what you hear. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, that's okay. I'll put him at number two. How about that? Okay. And <laughs> then, uh, hmm. I like Benny Greb a lot just for feel and sound. I, I know that name. He's a German drummer. He's more of a clinician, but he does have a band called Moving Parts. <laughs> and it's a, a fusion, uh, fusion's a umbrella term but yeah he has this band over in germany they tour but mostly he's known for being a clinician and teaching and uh he believes that you know how people say you either can groove or you can't you either can play an instrument or you can't he believes that you can be taught how to groove you can be taught how to play even if you don't have uh and he really just you know he has dvds on that the art and science of groove and yeah he just basically teaches you how to groove nice make it feel good nice those are all drummers, but <laughs> hey, that's cool. It could be any instrument. Yeah. Um, so how? So in high school, you're um, you, you're stopping your mom from hearing the TV. You're practicing. So how how does that transition into like? Were you in high school band? Were you in marching band and doing all that stuff? Were you in garage bands or something? Yeah. So in middle school, I played saxophone in band, um, oh, nice. and then in high school. Freshman year, I I did saxophone for marching band, but then the last day of marching band, it was like our last parade or tournament or something, uh, we had to set our instruments on the ground and run and go get water real quick. Well, as we're running to get water, somebody kicked my saxophone. And when we took it in, they're like, it's pretty much totaled. You may as well get a new one. And, uh, you know, I've always wanted to play in the drum line. I always watched them, and I was kind of dabbling. That was around the time I started playing drums, too. So... Um, that's when I met Mark Smith, who was the drumline instructor. And yeah, that's another guy that took a chance on me because I got denied the position from the band director, but then Mark would come in on his own time and, wow. uh, take me into a room and do one-on-one snare drum work with me and taught me all the rudiments and, you wow. know, really, uh, dialed in my technique. And so, yeah, then I did drumline the rest of that. So, rest of high school. Right. So, the end of freshman, the last day of freshman year, and just... Yeah. Wow. <laughs> it was a, a blessing, man, to have my saxophone kicked. So, <laughs> so Right. Yeah. <laughs> yep. That's great. And somebody taking a chance on you, that's um, that's awesome. I, guess, I think that's important for for all of us, especially as we, as we go forward to take a chance on somebody else, the younger generation. Yeah. How did you... Um, how did you start getting into the professional world? Was it just like, oh, here I am, or did you like, ease into it? 
Um, I guess I didn't know how to get in at first. And did you want to, or was it just oh, a yeah. hobby? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, I saw other musicians in the area doing it and just playing it like Jimmy B's and stuff. And, right. uh, you know, I've tried to remember how this all went down, but somehow I met Jason Karen, who's for the listeners, he's a local drum hero. Yeah. He's literally like the busiest drummer in all of Florida. Um, somehow I met him and he invited me up at Jimmy B's to sit in for Sunday morning, uh, Maroon <laughs> five. And yeah, he, we exchanged numbers after and he included me in this loop of drummers via text. Okay. And you know, all of a sudden my phone's blowing up. Hey, who's available this Friday, nine to one, whatever. Uh, you know, and then I learned my lesson. If you don't respond as soon as possible, you're not going to get the gig. And I was working at Tijuana Flats okay. as a prep cook. And then at night, I was working at the Conch Republic on the beach, which is a seafood restaurant. And so I was always working. Yeah. And even though I wasn't supposed to, as I'm prepping chicken or whatever, I would have my phone on as loud a volume as it could be on right next to me. And the second it would go off, boom, I'd check my text. Right. And it, there it was, like five drummers. Hey, who can do this gig? And I respond right away. And... It's all word of mouth from there, I, I believe. So, And all these places, like if you're working two places, like you're working the whole day, um, you were able to work it out so that, yeah, I'm going to accept that gig, but then I'm going to tell my manager, hey, I can't make it such and such a day. Did you ever get like pushback for that or anything? Well, so there's uh, Tijuana Flats, yes, because I was new there and they didn't really understand the, my passion for music, I guess. Mm -hmm. And the conch, I worked there for about five years at that time. And they knew, like, I was in two bands, like, original music, and I would always pass out my new recordings right. for free, you know, and uh, I was that guy. But, no, they knew I had a, a strong passion for it, and I explained it to them, like, hey, I have this opportunity to start playing a little more. And uh, what they actually did was they kept me employed, and they let me pick out my schedule. Wow. So. <clears throat> that's that's yeah, rare. Because I told them it was that, or I, I would maybe have to quit because I really want to do this, and I have this morning job I could sustain a little bit of income yeah. with. Uh, and they wanted to keep me for as long as they could. So then they said, you know, let's do it this way. We'll just take you off the schedule. You can pick up shifts or make a note and put it for people to see like, Hey, I'm looking for right. this or that. Um, it, may, it mainly was just keeping Thursday through Sunday off. Cause right. still to this day, that's like that's the only th days I gig really. And if I get a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, then yes, that's awesome. But, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, wow. That, I mean, that's, that's rare to have um, an employer to understand yeah. understand that. Yeah. Um, it, it, I was very fortunate for that. So. So you said that you learned the hard way. Is that because like you what you didn't see the text or you just didn't think to respond right away? Uh, well, at first it was yeah. I was following the rules at my job and put my phone oh. away, and then uh, <laughs> and then I would see the text at the end of the day, and I was like, man, this you know I've had so many opportunities that I just right. missed. Right. And, um, yeah. Was, and then finally I was like, you know what? The boss never even comes back here anyway. So I'm just going to have it there. <laughs> It'll take me two seconds to respond. And I was wide open. So I would just say yes. Like, you know, boom. Yes. Okay. Right. It's because I had the ability to, at the other job, to work when I wanted, really. Right. So, so you could, you could say yes to everything. Yeah. And, uh, and especially in the beginning, like, I don't think people should be picky with choosing gigs. Like, yeah. Just be grateful you're getting gigs, you know, yeah. and, and word of mouth. I've played with people, you know, I don't care to really play with again, but, like, 
I also am grateful for those people because their word of mouth got me connected with all kinds of people. And, yeah. And, uh, you know, and it's nothing against those people. It's just I'm, I'm grateful for the opportunity, and I'm glad I took those gigs. So Yeah. And, and it, <clears throat> excuse me, you make a really great point because word of mouth is a huge thing in this um, – in this industry and it's it's going to be based on somebody's you know somebody's recommendation oh this cat can play and he's recommending matt okay then uh then i'm going to trust that yeah yep um how long did you have to do that balance before Um, before you could leave tijuana and then leave conch yeah i think i only stayed at the conch for about or at um tijuana flats for about six months and i want to say yeah i want to say there were three months of me working there, mm-hmm. I'm talking, I had to be there at 6 a.m. And I was picking up gigs and working until even, like 2 a.m. They don't even open till like I know, but you have to have all the chicken all, cooked oh, like, man. and all the stuff, you know, semi-cooked and yeah. ready to go so that the cooks can just throw it on the grill. You know, yeah. already seasoned, throw it on the grill, boom. Uh, so, yeah, had to be there at 6 and I was gigging until like 2 the yeah. night before and then not getting home till 3.30. Right. So I was just killing myself, man. Which for who for anyone who doesn't know, that's fairly standard. The 10 to 2, 9 to 1 is a fairly standard bar gig or beach bar, especially, you know, the the nighttime shift, that 10 to 2 time slot is, that's, you know, that's what it is. I have to say, though, <laughs> the 6 to 10 is the bee's knees, man. I've been getting so many of those that it's like I hit a 10 to 2 now and I'm like, oh, right. Oh. <laughs> I'm drinking a Red Bull at midnight. I'm like, man. But yeah. Right. Um, so how old were you around this time that, that you're getting these calls? I think the first time I started or the first paid gig I ever had, like full cover gig was 22. Okay. And I think... Yeah, because it was in like February and my birthday's in April. And then 23 is the first year I filed uh, taxes as an independent okay. uh, employee. So, um, so yeah, 22, 23, around right. that area. So you were able, so were you doing, you were, that means that you must have been doing some of these gigs before you were even allowed to be in there, like before you were 21? Um, no, I think it was, well, I was doing, like, uh, original music gigs okay. at, like, ticketed events, you know? Right. But, uh, no, I didn't really hit the bar scene until I was, yeah, I didn't hit the bar scene until 22, 23, 21, okay. maybe. But, yeah, I was I was legal. Okay. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I'm not going to, like, rat you out. I just wanted to know if, no, if that yeah. were the case, like, how do you work that out? Well, Jimmy B's, I did go to and meet Jason Karen around, right. maybe I was 20, maybe I was 21, I can't remember, but... Jimmy B's lets you in. It's right. just there, you know, they have security guards watching to see who's drinking and not. So, right. Uh, right. And it was like a Monday night. He was playing Motel Funk, and <laughs> that was an awesome band, dude. They were, they're still around, just a different configuration. Yeah. So, nice. Um, so, this, um, this word of mouth, how did some of the things that I know you're doing right now, like you're doing Bay King's Band, which is a wedding, wedding uh, band organization. Mm-hmm. But, you're doing. You're in uh, the hip abduction. Yeah. I know some of the story, um, but first let's get to Baking's. How did you? How did that wind up happening? So this is one of those uh, stories um, where I tried to be in this band that was starting up a cover band, and it was just a bunch of musicians that I knew just met, you know, and we could never get together and rehearse or oh, never yeah. seem to make it work. But we tried out a singer named Tori Fusan. Okay. And she was great. 
but the band, like I said, just didn't work out. We never went anywhere. And then maybe six months later, I was just talking to Tori about this the other day. Uh, maybe six months later, she invited me out to a showcase. And the showcase, for people that don't know, it, it's like for brides, future brides to come see the band and see if they like the band and who they want to perform, how right. big of a band, whatever, et cetera. Um, but it was also like an audition for me just okay. to come out and play and see how it goes. And, uh, you know, if everyone likes the drummer, then okay, we'll keep you on the roster. Right. So yeah, that was like my audition, I guess. And then started getting gigs and next year got busier Then the next year got busier. And right. And yeah, they're one of my full-time bands now back home. So what, um, what kind of preparation, what kind of preparation did you have to do before that? Like where you, when you got into the the wedding band thing is a it's a pretty specific thing and you have to know a wide genre, a lot of standard tunes in each of those genres. Um, did you already know these songs or you did you have to do a lot of prep before that? Uh, this is like those memes that go around saying a musician is getting paid for all the time they put into it. It's yeah. not like you know you're like oh man the band's that much money for real. It's because of this. Uh, I'd get thrown a, a song list of like 60 songs or 40 songs and be told, Hey, you have two weeks to learn it. Yeah. And it's like, Oh, you know, and I'm, I'm kind of a perfectionist. Like I really, and you are too. We really want to learn the details of a song. We don't want to yeah. just get by and say like, Oh, I know it. Yeah. Okay. Right. Uh, maybe not the bridge, but I'll power through. Like, right. <laughs> no, it's like, I want to know any important drum fills. So that's when I learned how to make charts. Mm -hmm. And, uh, one of my professors in college kind of taught me about chart making and, um, that really saved me. And back then it was paper charts, you know, and then they'd be like, call yeah. the song and I'm flipping through, Oh, which one? Hold on, hold on. So oh, yeah. that was back then. So yeah, a lot of, uh, locking myself in a room for hours a day. And I'd set a goal. Like today I have to learn five songs. Okay. Cool. Tomorrow, five songs, you know, or I'd see how many days I have and then just try to make a realistic right. expectation for each day. Um, and then now that we have Spotify, I'll make it a point to just every time I get in the car, I'll start the playlist in the same spot. Yeah. And okay, I got I really internalize those songs. I'll move on to the next five songs. Then I'll really internalize that and right. I just kind of live and breathe it for the time being until I get the gig. So Right, cuz now now you've been playing for how long has it been total? Like playing drums or yeah, professionally? Playing drums. Oh. <laughs> um maybe 17 years. So you're at the point where you don't necessarily have to sit down behind the drum set to learn a song. Correct. You can listen to it, and maybe maybe you have to work out if it's a very complex thing. Work out how you're gonna, how you what sticking you're gonna use or what, but you can just sit and listen and learn it. Correct. Yeah. Um, where before, maybe not so much. And that's a good point to be at. Yeah. Oh yeah. It saves you a lot of time. And now my catalog is huge from just years of being right. told hey here's 40 songs you right. know and uh you know and recently country music was kind of my weakness i didn't really know any country and then a band called the railway kings um they're a local band and a lot of kings in your life yeah st pete <laughs> and clearwater um they're kind of just you know around here and they write great original music as well but they sent me a song list of like maybe 50 songs to learn and it's all country yeah so now my country music is starting to build up a little bit so i'm That's starting great. to learn that and you know i recognize tunes and if i've been on other gigs where they'll call it and say hey do you know this song and i'll be like yeah let's do it right you know? and then, you know it really helps me so 
to be able to do that. And having an iPad helps. I try not to always rely on it, but I mean, I do bring it to gigs where I'm filling in just in case they call an audible that, yeah. you know, oh crap, I, I think I have a chart. Hold on. Right. Boom, let's do it. Yes. So. I have had that same experience and I've, um, I've, you know, joined this band or fill in on this band or whatever. And a chart that I wrote 10 years ago, you know, I hate, oh I, yeah, I remember playing that song. Let me pull it up. Okay, yeah, yeah, I can read it. As long as I did a good job writing the chart, then I'm okay. Yeah. Oh, and for the <laughs> listeners, Fourscore is yeah. the best app. I, oh man, absolutely. Yeah, it's F O R Score, right. one word, um, and it has uh, a metronome built in, so you can have it flash or you can have it um, audible, um, and it saves for each song. You can categorize a set list and. It's amazing. Yeah, so. you can have set lists. You can write the keys for each song, so you can you can uh, organize it that way by artist, by song. It yeah, I agree with you. It's a yeah, that's it's, the best one. It's out been there. a lifesaver. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is the this is the part of the story of of uh, hip abduction that I know. You were and you just mentioned college, right? Uh, St. Pete College. So you were there, and one of your professors was in the band. And that's Pat Hernley. Yep. And he he was he was a drummer, and he needed to take some time off, and he recommended you. Yeah. So I was new to the school. I'd been going there for two years for just basic classes like science and all that math, and yeah. And then I started the music program, and I was told I had to audition for an ensemble as part of my course. You know, so. I went in, there's like a line of every kind of musician waiting outside this door. <laughs> and I like over-prepared. I brought um, like my own cymbals. I brought tracks to play to and like a mixing wow. board to split them and all that. And uh, and then I played an original song, two original songs, and then one cover for them. And then, uh, yeah, after that, Pat Hernley pulled me out into the hall and said, hey, would you like to take lessons with me? I'm a drum instructor here. So I said, sure. Uh, and two weeks in... He threw me a gig with the hip abduction, and that's where the chart reading comes in because he had all his charts made. Oh. And I didn't know this, but he was auditioning drummers. Ah. So I wasn't the first drummer to be filling in. Um, and he kept throwing you know, all these drummers on the gig. So he had all these charts made and brilliant way of writing charts, and I've used his technique for that forever now. Um, yeah, and the gigs went really well, and he started throwing me more and more, and in my head, I was like, man, I really wish I could be the drummer in this band. Like, I really like it, having yeah. so much fun. And then, uh, yeah, one day he was like, hey, would you want to be the, the full-time drummer? Because he was secretly, he wasn't allowed to say it yet, but he got offered, like, the main, the head of the music program at oh, SBC okay. of Mira, uh, Music Industry Recording Arts. Right. So it wasn't public knowledge, but he was going to need a drummer for the band because that was going to be his right. priority now. So... Right place, right time. It was wow. definitely that. So that's great. Yeah, but but also preparation. I mean, he wouldn't have he wouldn't have recommended you uh, even to to fill in if he didn't see something in you. Right. Yeah. Um, that was the thing too. Is like a lot of the music was challenging to me because I I, I come from a metal background. I don't oh, know if yeah. you know that. No, I didn't. Like full on blast beats and just yeah, <laughs> loud and. Uh, some of the music had like world influence, like African rhythms and Latin Afro pop stuff, um, or Afro Cuban, I mean. And uh, 
so it was very challenging to me. And I think he saw that I would go home and I took it very serious. I'd practice it as much as I could. And then I'd come back and just try to nail it. Just, you know, yeah. I'd listen to the recordings and try to play just like that. Yeah. So in the beginning, I definitely was trying to be somebody else in the band. Like I was filling his shoes. So, you know, I didn't want to come in there and play my own way. I wanted to play as exact like he would, just like him and, you know, just nail it. So I think uh, the band really appreciated that too. That I didn't come in blasting my own fills or changing the grooves up or anything. So Well, when did they, That that's an interesting point you bring up because there's that fine line of how do you mimic somebody else even if you're just in a cover band you know you're you're filling in for somebody uh, playing original their original music but even in a wedding situation how much do you play exactly what that guy played how much do you play it you know so at what point did the band or did you feel like you could uh play it like you like you would play rather yeah. than what Pat would play. Yeah, and I do want to elaborate even more on the cover gig side of this later. Okay. But, um, well, I guess I was probably in the band for about a year and a half, and the band started to write newer music, and I think that was the moment where I was like, I think I can start to do my own thing. At first, I was always like, what would Pat do? Uh-huh. You know, they'd show me a part that they wrote or a song, and I'd think, what would Pat do? And I wasn't too versed in this world music yet. Um, the band was definitely world in the beginning, like right. world. Uh, Latin and stuff but uh, yeah I just wasn't versed really so I would start listening to other music like that and try to like come up with my own way to reenact that but have my own spin on it Yeah. so I kind of got out of the mindset of what would Pat do and I started just listening more and kind of over time developing my own sound within the band Okay. and then the older songs, we'd play them live, and I'd start to be like, ooh, I'm going to add my own feel right here and see what happens. Or I always kept the grooves the same. Yeah. They're pretty close, but then I started, like, messing with fills, and, uh, yeah, I guess probably a year and a half in, once we started writing music together yeah. is when I felt safe. So at that. the point that, like, now this is music that Pat really had nothing to do with, you know, he 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 doesn't have his signature on it, you're going to put your son. So for for the older stuff, when you started... Um, when you started putting your own flavor into it, um, you, I mean, uh, clearly you're still in the band, so they they weren't they were supporting you, right? They like they they dug it. Yeah, oh yeah, and they gave me direction too. Like okay. they would say, especially the singer and the bass player. The bass player was really heavy into reggae and mm-hmm. um, just that kind of st- more reggae style. And the the singer would give me all these like Paul Simon influences, like hey, check out this song, and wow, you know, it doesn't have to be this, but give me something like that. Yeah. And, um, and coming from a metal background, I do tend to overplay and I, <laughs> I think I've gotten really good at it now, like controlling myself, but, um, I definitely would go in at first and be like, yo, check out this drum fill, man. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> okay. Uh, had so, you listened to Paul Simon before that? No, I didn't even know who he was. Oh yeah. Like I didn't even know, uh, 50 ways to leave a lover or any of that stuff. And so. Yeah, the whole band just kind of opened me up to music. I didn't really. Uh, I was always listening to music for the technical and talent side of it. Okay. And they taught me how to like treat music as a vibe setter or like be okay with it being on the background and just setting a mood or. Right. And how to listen to it as a listener and not a musician. So Dude, that's great. So that's what the band's really taught me. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because the music's not technical at all. It's just feel good. Are you able to do that? I I struggle with this, you know, just being able to disconnect and just listen to the music rather than analyze the music. You able to do that now? Um, 
Yeah, I mean, if I'm listening to, like, Vinny play fusion music, no. But, right. <laughs> uh, like, I can enjoy reggae music. I can enjoy, you know, just simple pop music. And I, there's actually this thing about pop music I just love. I don't know what it is, but and it's, like, the space and the drums and stuff. Like, a lot of songs now, and people hate this, but I think it's awesome, is, like, the space between the kick and snare. And maybe it's just kick and snare. Mm-hmm. But it's, like, there's something about that and just, like, the tightness and fatness of it all that yeah. I do appreciate so, yeah, my listening has changed now, and yeah, I, I I give a lot of credit to the guys though for kind of pointing me in that direction, teaching me how to like listen instead of analyze. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you were you said you were going to elaborate on the cover band side of of that. Of, oh yeah. Um, I forgot what the main of like part playing of that was. exactly oh, what. Yes. Yes. Okay. So over time, uh, I've kind of started to play a little more like what the records are doing because I it's actually teaching me a little bit more of how to like groove in that style so like respect such an uh seems like a basic song but whatever you know but the drummer is just all well there's a certain like swing to his playing like yeah. certain subdivision that he's feeling and before I would have like stepped all over it and you know, I'll do like my own thing still, but I try to keep the groove feeling like how they did it. And I used to not do that. Right. Um, and then just like, you know, on recordings, a lot of times people leave space. They don't fill. The drummer won't fill in a space. Yeah. And I feel like that's so effective. And uh, naturally, I feel like everybody usually wants to fill a space. Like yeah. boom, 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 pa, boom, pa. Instead of that, they're doom, 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 pa, pa, ga, doom, doom, Yeah. There's right. this magic to that space, though, that I've started to appreciate recently, like just recently. And I've been playing music for so long now. It's like, it's crazy. I just realized that. So, yeah. Well, that's great. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, that's all, though. I, I agree that, you know, there is, there is a lot of noise out there. And I think we all need to learn to leave space at times, you know. Um, and of course, always depending on the music. Um, so, so with hip abduction, um you're on tour a lot what is it what is it like being um having to juggle the the at-home gigs being a professional on tour and you know things like um you're recently married right has it been a year two years two years yeah oh it's crazy <laughs> so now you're you're old it's old school now yeah <laughs> <laughs> um balancing family with you know Playing at Red Rocks, which congratulations, I Thanks. you know saw that, but like that's that's a challenge even at home. Now you're adding yeah the, the, the travel and, and the yeah. distance and everything. Um, man, it's a lot of time management and calendar work. Uh, and people that play with me now know that the hip abduction is always going to be my priority. Okay, so um, I kind of preface with this: like, if someone says, "Hey, can you do this gig in four months?" I'll say. I'm going to tell you yes, but if I get booked, you'll have a good notice. Like, I'm not going to leave you hanging like, oh, dude, next week I can't. I'm not going to do that to you. Right. Um, you'll definitely have – our booking agent knows I need a 45-day notice. So okay. he won't book a gig. He'll ask me if something does come up, like, hey, do you think you could do this? But he won't book it without telling me. Right. So I tell people you'll have minimum 45, 45 days. days, but usually it's like three months so right. that they get. So. That helps just to let everybody know that. And like we were talking earlier, like I'm, I do show up prepared and you can count on me if, uh, you know, if I'm in town. So yeah. people do take that chance 
with me and I'm grateful for that, you know, but, uh, yeah. So I guess just prefacing that and then calendar work and like looking ahead all the time, just saying, Oh, I'm going to be home this week. I really got to put the word out there. Right. And I'll just text people or Facebook always helps. I'll just say, Hey, I'm available this weekend. Right. Uh, I found that people like pictures, so I'll <laughs> Photoshop just a simple picture of me playing drums, and then I'll put, hey, available these dates, and it's worked every time. So Yeah. And I feel they, they see that, and it works. It's more effective than me just posting words. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I, I took that idea uh, once, and uh, it, I don't, it wasn't as effective for me, but I saw I, that was a great idea where you put these dates and then, you know, a few days later, they were crossed out. Okay, and now I have yeah. these dates. Yeah. Yeah. And I just, like, drill it into people, you know. I, I'll share it every day if I have to. And, yeah. Um, and on the side, I'm also texting people, you know. It's right. not just the social media, so. Right. Um, and I kind of feel weird doing that, but, like, texting people, hey, man, I'm available these days. But, uh, I mean, you are not going to get it unless you ask, so. Okay, why, why do you feel weird? I feel weird, too. It's yeah. something about like selling Feeling yourself. Like you're begging or something. Yeah. Yeah, but but this is how we have to do it. I mean, the gigs aren't just going to land in our lap all the time. Right. So sometimes they do, but it's not <laughs> always that way. Um, right. So yeah, I feel like you have to put yourself out there. And, and it kind of goes with the power of intent. Like if you believe you're going to get something strong enough, you can get it, you know? Like, so throw those gigs out. I'm not going to stop till I get it. And that's kind of how I just do it so nice <laughs> but nice and you do the work to back it up that's the, that's the that's the great thing about you so you do the work to back it up and i like that you prepare um so are you able to prepare on tour like let's say you're you're on the last leg of your tour and you see okay in in three weeks i have these um these few wedding gigs or this this gig with this thing you know while you're out traveling you're able to uh, still spend time on the other stuff yeah, and I I prioritize a lot. Like, so I'll see that I have a gig in two weeks versus one in three weeks, and so I'll put that one obviously ahead. Yeah, and I'll start working on that. Um, so either on a plane ride, I'll just have my charts out, making a new chart. You know, listening. Uh, we're not doing like a bus tour yet. We're still in like a Sprinter van, so we have to share driving shifts. Okay. So usually one guy will drive for the whole day. Right. So sometimes it's a seven-hour shift, which is awful. I <laughs> always am, like, hoping I don't get that one. But, right. uh, yeah, when it's not my turn, I'll just make it a point to sit in the back of the van where no one's talking to me and right. no music's getting played, and I'll put headphones in just try to, you know, be distraction-free and just go for it and learn charts. Right. So, or, you know, write charts and learn songs. So, um, so yeah, I, I do get good preparation time on the road. Sometimes it's easier because we have all the time in the van, you know. Okay, yeah. But once we load yeah. into a venue, I'm not able to do anything usually like right. sound check and then getting dinner and all that so sure you got to focus on the job that's in front of you yeah so what so then tell me about that tell me about what is the job in front of you what's your on a tour what is your typical day like so it depends on where not, we're playing the next not day. the driving day though <laughs> yeah yeah it depends on where we're playing the next day um or you know so it could be a very early van call we could have to be there at 8 a.m or sometimes we get to sleep in and can be there at 12. Okay. Um, we always try to drive a little the night before, so we only have like a two-and-a-half to three-hour drive the next day. Okay. And so we get to the venue. It's usually a, we always like to sound check four hours before doors, so we have all the time we need, and the opening band can get in there and do their thing. But uh, So four hours before doors, we load in, and uh, the sound crew and the stage crew kind of 
just tell us to leave for a minute and they just <laughs> finish everything up and then we come back and we sound check. Sound check takes like an hour and a half to two hours because we like to rehearse a little bit. Yeah. You know, what did we mess up the night before? Okay. What can we do differently? Uh, the singer likes to go out front and just check the mix and make sure like sounds are sounding good. And right. he's a perfectionist with like sounds, dude. It's insane. Um, so yeah, that takes up a lot of time. And then after that, I feel bad that we don't always get to see the opening band, but we're hungry and you know, yeah. we're, we're walking to a restaurant nearby or something. And, right. and, uh, if we make it back in time, we'll check them out and stuff. But, and then about 30 minutes before the show, you'll find me either warming up or kind of doing my own thing somewhere. Uh, well, on a pad or do you set up a second drum it's set different or every, like some nights I'm feeling it like, Oh, I'll, I'll get a pad out and practice. And some nights I'll like just sit in a corner and hop up and down, like jump and okay. get my muscles warm. And, uh, I learned recently from a drummer in an interview, he was saying how people always warm up their hands, but then they don't warm up their legs or anything. And they get on stage and their hands feel great, but they're kind of like sluggish feeling with their feet. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, it's a great point. <laughs> so yeah, like I look like a weirdo doing it, but I'll do like squats and stuff in the corner and I'll just kind of get my body moving a little bit. And I like to, uh, I recently had some really scary hand pain, wrist pain. So I like to really focus and make sure I warm up now ever right. since that. So yeah. is it resolved or it's it it, is. Like, it's being, it's controlled? Uh, it took, it was in pain for about two weeks before I decided to take action. It got to the point where I couldn't even hold a, a glass of water. Oh, man. And it's my snare hand, so I need, like, some power behind that. Um, and then I saw a occupational therapist, and he did two sessions on it and totally changed it. Uh, it felt amazing. And then I wow. went for one more session after that before our New Year's show. And the New Year's show was the best my hands have felt in, like, eight months. Wow. So I didn't even know I was having problems before the pain. Mm -hmm. But I could tell, like, something was off. Something never felt right with my left hand, like... I don't right. know. It just didn't hurt yet. But after this work, it's been pretty incredible. Great. So I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, thanks. I'm going to start going more often now. Yeah. Um, what, are, what are some of the, the downfalls? Is there, is there something that you've learned on tour like, well, let me never do that again? Or, you know, or maybe you've seen somebody, let me never do that, yeah. <laughs> what they did. Um, man. Never eat a large meal before you go on stage. That's awful. Uh, <laughs> no, what else? Um, I try not to party too hard anymore because I used to like every night, you know, you're getting free drinks and stuff. And then yeah. it's like you finish a two-week tour and you're like, man, I think I just did <laughs> drink every <laughs> single night. You're like it's not good. So I try to limit that now. Mm -hmm. uh, and if I do drink, I just try to have like one or two drinks instead of however many I was having. Right. Um, and at first it was like, oh, we're on tour, woo, you know, party mode. And we'd go out after the gig and go get late night food and just like, you know, we try to get straight in the van, go to the hotel, go to bed. And some of the guys are really good about grocery shopping and having like healthy snacks. On tour. I'm not always the best at mm -hmm. that, but uh, I'm like the guy with the protein bars and everyone else has like apples and bananas and <laughs> this and that. And so, um, Dude, that's great. Yeah, but now going to bed earlier, just you just feel so much better the next day. It's like... Why stay up late and party every night when, right. you know, you have stuff to do and more driving to do? It's like it wears on you. So Right. So Lee, Lee Sklar is the basis for James Taylor and Toto. And, and he's talked quite a bit about, like, how just you got to take care of yourself on tour. You got to, like, the number one thing you can do, he says, is not the practicing. It's not this. It's, it's eating right and uh, getting some exercise. Yeah, and 
I've actually stopped exercising just for now because of my wrist pain. Because I was that was also part of it. I think because I was working out all the time mm-hmm. and drumming, and I think it just uh, kind of was overuse for my hand. Right. So right now I'm really trying to focus. I've never been limber, so I'm trying to. I'm going doing a stretching program. Mm-hmm. It's like 25 minutes a day, and it's not program. It's the same stretch every day, same stretches. <laughs> but uh, I'm just trying to make sure I stretch every day now, and I'm already feeling different. So. Uh, that's my new goal right now is just stretch, stay hydrated, eat healthy. And I'm not too concerned at the moment about working out, but because I get a lot of physical activity drumming and stuff. Yeah. But yeah. Um, I will return to working out. It's not like I'm never going to do it again. <laughs> I just want to focus on uh, listening to my body a little more. So, um, what about the the financial side? Like you're, you know, I think it's fair to say weddings pay better than bars you know there's a different there's a different degree um the touring uh, are you are you uh when you when you're home from touring are you doing weddings stuff because you have to or because you want the because you need the income or because you want the musical experience of it that's uh that's a good thing to talk about because a lot of people think that we're making a living off of the band Mm -hmm. just because they see us okay you played red rocks you must be making right two thousand dollars a week no it's like i have to work when i get home and uh justino he's new to the band and he's kind of new to like our touring you know regime and all that yeah so he uh he's just now figuring this out like people kind of they don't forget about you but they assume you're going to be touring and busy so they don't really call you as much or they'll say like oh well you're playing with them you don't need the gigs when you get home right because you're you're making money and it's like no we have to we rely on that and sometimes if i have a long tour coming up i have to really focus on saving money and my wife is so good at like uh budgeting and just you know helping me get in that mindset um so yeah i really have to budget for a tour because you know I'll make $75 base pay and then like a $20 per diem for food. And you got to be smart with that because yeah. if we're out in LA and I have $20, that's like a coffee and breakfast. <laughs> right. I'm serious, dude. Yeah. It's crazy. And then then I'm tapping into my $75 base pay. Right. So, um, and I'm a core member of the band. So I do have some writing credit as well, like with BMI. So mm-hmm. but that doesn't pay a ton. Right. But I'm also taking a lower pay right now. Because I'm looking at the future, just investing, kind of like sure. hoping that one day I can make more. Sure. Um, some of the other guys, we do pay more just because they're new to this, and yeah, not that they're hired guns and that's it. Like they're definitely band members to us, and right, you know. So, so it's so it is a matter of like, this is your. I mean, this is your job. That's one of the. That's what we were talking about off the air. That's one of the purposes for this podcast is to. Make sure people know this is a job. This is a real job, and you're you're operating as your own small business essentially. Um, whether it's in this band or whether as an individual contractor. Actually, do you, are you um, do you have like an LLC, your own Matt Pointer LLC or whatever it is, or do you do you handle that stuff as, as an individual? This year was my first year doing it. Yeah. Um, I actually forgot I did it, so thanks for reminding me. <laughs> I think I have to file it. I don't know how you file taxes yet. I have to talk to my accountant, but. If it's any different, I don't know. But, uh, yeah, this year I did it. And it was more just because the, the hip abduction management wanted me to have it for songwriting credit stuff. Uh-huh. We had a lot of movie syncs this year. Oh, great. Um, Congrats. Thanks, yeah. So, yeah, I guess I had to have it for legal reasons. Right. So our manager wanted me to have one. So, yeah, now right. I have it. But before that, I was just sole proprietor, like, you know. Okay. 
whatever I, the term is. I did it um, last year. Yeah, 2017 was uh, – no, 2016. I don't remember. But I did it um, because I was getting married. So I wanted to make sure, like, it was going to be easier. Okay, this is all. these are all business expenses and these are all – you know, personal stuff and just make it easy like that. Yeah. So that might help you out. Okay. In, in the in the future. Yeah. I don't know. So before all I ever did was I opened up a business account at Wells Fargo. Right. And then literally anything I do is that's business related. Yep. I just swipe to the card. But then I learned last year that if you're paid per diem, even if I only got twenty bucks a day, there's uh each city has a legal max of per diem and our business manager actually went through he know he has a catalog of each city and so he gives us a sheet at the end of the year of all the cities we were in and how many days so new york you can have like a 65 or 75 dollar per diem so even though i only got 20 bucks yeah i can write off that 75 of the dollars that that i made in new york city oh, was wow. for food so it doesn't count as income wow so he like there's a loophole there mm-hmm. so yeah that's great <laughs> he helped us out with that so i can't write off when I'm on tour, it's mm-hmm. it's actually financially better for me just to take the seventy five dollar max instead gotcha. of writing off because sometimes I only write off thirteen bucks in the city. You know, it's like gotcha. So you kind of help me, yeah, cheat, cheat the system a little bit. <laughs> well, I hope that doesn't change. I know tax laws are changing all over the place, but I hope that doesn't change for you. Yeah, we'll see. Um, what you? I mean, you've already said hip abduction is your your main gig, and people know that. Are there any other things you're working on? Um, currently any other, uh, projects, uh, you've had in mind? There's a local, uh, bass player named Tim Conwell, and he has been pushing me to finish writing my own original music. Oh, okay. And so I'm kind of considering it now. Like John Blackwell put out his own record. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how long ago, but, uh, I didn't know that. Yeah, he has a great like fusion record he did at Clear Track Studios in Clearwater. And it's a tribute to his daughter who passed away young. Um, and he just passed away too. So uh, I've been listening to this and I don't know, it's kind of inspiring. And I, you know, why not do it? So he's yeah. got the ability to record it and help me out because I don't know too much about melodic theory. Mm-hmm. But I do have some songs that I've kind of structured and I just need somebody else to put there. Right. You know. And he even said, like, he doesn't have to play on it. He just wants, he's just kind of pushing me to, right, you know, to you should do it. do it, man. You should do it. So yeah. I'm kind of interested in that. I'm going to second that. You should do it. All right. I think there uh, there are a bunch of my friends who have these ideas and these goals, and I, I want to see each of them, um, each of you guys uh, pursue that. Yeah. I think you should do it. And we're me and my wife are looking at houses right now, even though the market's, like, way too high for us. But uh, my goal is to have my own home studio and the ability to record. And I do have background on guitar and I've, I want to play bass so bad, but like if I could just lay down a simple mm-hmm. bone structure for a song and then have, you know, other guys come in and sure. do their thing on it. Sure. That would be awesome. So that's kind of my, do you still play piano? You started on it. Man, do you ever? I wish I did. I, I can't play anything now. And it's like one of those instruments where if I leave it, if I learn, like occasionally I'll get asked, can you play my wedding? And I'll say, okay. And I'll just shed piano for right. six months and then play their wedding. But then uh, if I don't practice those songs for like even six weeks, boom, gone. <laughs> like I can't even sit down and try to fake it. Mm-hmm. And drums, I feel like I could leave drums for like two years and come back and play them. Right. You know, I might not have like the speed, but I could still have the coordination. But piano is just crazy, man. Yeah. 
That's a, such a wild instrument. <laughs> it's I know I I started on piano too, and I and over the years, like I'll play again. I would take lessons as a kid, and then in college I left it. In college, I came back, and then I left it again, and I regret leaving it every time. Yeah, <laughs> it's really great for composing and stuff, and just being able to because really in a like Logic Pro or something or Pro Tools, you can play any instrument on the keyboard yep. with MIDI. Yeah. Maybe guitar won't sound right or anything, but you can still get ideas across right. if you know how to play piano. Right. So I can do like single digit piano work, but I can't do like, you know, right. both hands anymore. So. Um, where, so where can we find you? Where can people keep up with you? Uh, my website is kind of like a, has everything on it. Um, that's uh, mattpointer.com and that's P-O-Y. N-T-E-R. And uh, that has my Facebook, YouTube, Instagram. I don't really do Twitter because I don't understand it. But, yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't either. I think it's, it's, I think it's so yeah, absurd. I, I look at it and I'm like, I don't even know what to do. So, <laughs> um, yeah, my website has everything. Videos, tour dates. Uh, you can contact me. I have free lessons on there um, for anyone interested in developing, like, their hands. Mm-hmm. I haven't, because I don't have a house yet, I have not done drum set lessons, but I okay. intend to. And Even I, going to somebody else's house, would they would they be able to? Would anybody be able to say, "Hey, Matt, come to my house and teach me"? Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that's all on there. I have a contact sheet on there, and it emails me directly. Um, and even you know, Facebook and Instagram, you just message me, and right, you know, if I'm home and you're close, I'll do it. <clears throat> you're famous for the those. Uh, well, famous. I I mean, I see your videos all the time for the GoPro, GoPro videos of yeah. you, the fish eye. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. Yep. I just put some more up from our Jana show, our home show. Yeah. Yeah. It looked great. I always, I'm always filming because I like to not only just put have social media content, but I do critique my playing and stuff, and and that's how I've realized, like in the past, like man, I'm overplaying or. <laughs> You know, so it always helps to listen to yourself. You, I'm glad you do that. I was gonna, I was actually about to ask you that um, because I, I started filming it for the same. My, my GoPro is like stupid old, so I don't, I can't even hardly put those up anyways. But I noticed the same thing. It's like, man, I'm. I start listening to it. It's like I'm rushing. Yeah, didn't it didn't feel like that in you know in person. Yeah, I need to lay back. And it's not always a, a and like an immediate correction either like you'll say okay i'm rushing and maybe the next time you just won't rush as much you're thinking about it and you think you're not rushing right but then you watch and you're like crap i'm still rushing still yeah and then you know it might you just chip away at it and there's so many parts within our show now where i'm finally satisfied with like okay i'm not rushing or mm-hmm. i'm not doing this now there's still stuff i rush or uh if there's a song where we play to a click i might be like on top of the click right. like so as precise as i can be but then listening back the rest of the band's not and i'm like okay I need to pull back a little bit. Like, there's still moments in the show where, you know, no one's perfect and it'll never be perfect. There's always going to be something, but... But it's a great objective tool because, you know, in the moment, you're like, you feel, oh, that was great. And even the rest of the band, that was great. But then listening to it outside after the moment has passed, Mm -hmm. okay, now what did it really sound like? And there's also this moment of... uh, like, you have to be able to also set your ego aside, too. Like, I used to watch the videos and be like, oh, man, that bit was awesome. <laughs> and then I started listening, and I'm like, I'm totally stepping all over everybody. And and there was this moment where I finally switched it over, and I was like, wow, okay. Like, sure, that's cool, but I was stepping all over everything. And now I appreciate the timing of where you place yeah. a chop or maybe you place, you know, anything, really. Yeah. Um, 
And I still will, you know, I'll step on people's toes and I don't realize it <laughs> in the moment maybe, but I'm definitely more aware of like listening to the band and making sure I'm not going to do that, you know? Right. So. Cool. Well, Matt, thank you. Thank you very much um, for talking to me, talking about the music grind. Anything else you want to want to add? I think that's it. Thanks that's for it. thanks for having me, man. It's a pleasure and you're awesome what you do. I can tell you uh, research other podcasts and like, you know, you study the process and I appreciate that. Thank so. you. I appreciate that. Yeah, man. Thanks, man. Yeah. Matt Pointer. There he is. So actually that uh, that thing that we just talked about at the the very end, recording yourself and listening to yourself objectively, whether it's audio or video recording, probably doesn't matter. But if you want to get a, I guess if you want to get a sense of what you look like on stage, <laughs> and if you're mean mugging the whole time, um, then it should be video. But regardless, the recording yourself and listening back later, even if it's difficult to do, even if you don't like, you know, if you have hangups about listening to yourself, you know what? It, I have found that it is necessary. And, you know, Matt makes a great point. He's, he's so right in that you can listen back objectively. You can listen back and you can make the small corrections. He's right. It's not going to be overnight, perhaps. But you make the small corrections and you're doing this here. And every day, every gig that you're playing, you get better. Uh, that's, man, that is so true. It resonates with me. It's something I've, I've done. I'm still doing and uh, and it has helped. You know what else helps? <laughs> you like that segue? Um, reviews and ratings help. And subscribing. Don't forget to subscribe. If you've somehow caught this episode without having subscribed, good for you. I applaud you. Thank you very much. But please subscribe so that you're up to date with um, past episodes. You're notified of... Uh, future episodes or I guess present when they come out, they will be the present. They will not be the future. That's how it works. When, but you will get notifications when new episodes come out. Um, and you can also keep, uh, keep up and keep in touch on Instagram at music grind podcast. Uh, I will, I will put stuff up there uh, from time to time, notifying of new episodes, although I apologize for anyone who's been keeping up. The past two episodes, episode 13 and 14, I did not announce it, so I apologize. Um, go check those out, Jamie Grinnell and Giambi. Um, those, are, those are very interesting, great interviews. Um, so check those out, even though I did not announce it on Instagram. Sorry. Still, you should still follow. If you have any comments, uh, leave them on Instagram, on comments on the post, or in, in a DM, or email me, musicgrindpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, leave a review, a rating on either Apple Podcast or Spotify, or Stitcher, or all three, if you're so inclined. But whichever one you listen to most, go for that. Do that one. And there you go. Like I said, uh, like I said at the beginning... I have some stuff in the works, so keep um, keep looking forward to some some new new types of uh, conversation. Uh, maybe we'll get some different information in that in that format. And there you go. 
So, everyone out there, stay safe, and thanks for listening. <laughs>